Faisal is one of the Cambridge spies, but when their long-lost leader remembers what he did with the painting, poverty and terminal illness overwhelm her. Somebody write this. And welcome to Somebody Write This, where we use a random plot generator to give us an idea, and then we brainstorm how that could be a thing somebody might want to write. I'm Hannah. And I'm Kirsten. And you'll notice, this is not our usual co-host. Uh, Jenny is out of town this week, was not able to make our record, so one of our amazing previous guests on the podcast, Kirsten Porter, who you may remember from our Snow White-themed story, Potential Graham, uh, graciously <laughs> offered to step in and help us do this. So thank you so much, Kirsten, and uh, we'll let you continue on introducing our guest. I am super duper excited. And today, to help us with our brainstorming, we do have a guest. Let's welcome S. Evan Townsend. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Oh, we're so excited to have you on. So Evan, I know you are a writer. Let's maybe start with that. Maybe talk about your latest project and we'll see where that conversation takes us. Well, my last, uh, about six months ago, I published a three book series called Chumba of the Intelligence Corps. It's about Titus Chumba. He is a it's operative in the CIA of a evil empire about 3,000 years in the future. And he has many adventures trying not to be evil, but also trying to do his duty. That sounds badass. And this is a series? This is a series. It's a three-book series. Did you publish all three of them at once? or uh, About just... about two weeks apart. What was the initial inspiration for this? This is sort of a space opera kind of sound. Where Where did this idea come from? What inspired it? Well, to be honest, it was inspired by another series I wrote called Treasures of Space, in which the same character about 20 years later is a private detective, and he, he ran away from the core empire because he got tired of it being evil, and but he's still hiding from them, and he becomes involved in looking for a treasure of, a, of the black hole, and when the outrageously wealthy Princess Nora hires him to find the treasure, he thinks the case will be easy money. Until someone tries to kill him. So what was it about this character that made you want to revisit his earlier story? I liked his ethics. I liked and I, his humor. He, 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 he makes a lot of jokes. And he has, he has this voice that I just, I really enjoy. He's sort of cynical, yet lovable guy. Are other characters from your previous series, do they make it into this new one as well? Or is it all new cast? It's an all-new cat. Well, no, there is one character, uh, Doc, who's in both series. Do you feel like this character has more stories in him, or is this like, no, I think I've told his full... Well, I'm actually working on... A, I'm almost finished with what I'm calling the seventh book in the series, where he decides he's so tired of the evil empire, he's going to assassinate the emperor, and I couldn't figure out, a, figure out how he was going to do that. And then one day it hit me, oh, that's how we could assassinate the emperor. And he, I don't want to give it away, but he works yeah. very hard to do that. <laughs> Coming to the end of his of his frustration with the evil empire, I like that. Did you grow up with this kind of genre? Did you grow up with sci-fi? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of old. I'm, I'm 60, almost 61 years old. And when I was young, Star Trek started. And unfortunately, it was on the same time as a show my older brother and older sister like to watch so i didn't get to watch it a lot but then of course it went into reruns when i was in high school 
And I, about, I think it was four o'clock in the afternoon, I'd hurry home from school and watch Star Trek. And then I started reading science fiction, of course, mm-hmm. you know, and I started with Larry Niven, Ringworld. I think that was the first science fiction novel I ever read. Then I went on mm-hmm. the uh, Azik Eismov, um, the Foundation series, and then I discovered Robert Heinlein, and, and, and he's interesting, and he, he's fun, but he's he's got some interesting ideas. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, in fact, recently I was, I was rereading Methuselah's Children by Heinlein, and I think it was written in the 50s. And in the fifth, for the fifties, Heinlein was pretty out there. But these days, he's he, the mores of the fifties are are a little shocking to us. Yeah. Um. He 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 doesn't have his his female characters be, you know, we gotta go rescue the girl. Yeah. He has them be he has them be powerful characters, but but there's still some damsel in distress. Going yes, on there's still some of that going on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I would love to hear somebody who did, who got into sci-fi back before it became as popular as it is now, back when it was not so cool to be into sci-fi. I would love to hear if you read or watch current stuff as well, or if you find yourself still drawn to the older stuff as well. I, I find myself drawn to the older stuff, but I do read a little bit of current stuff. Lately, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction books. <laughs> um, for some reason, that's been where I've been at these days. But I was just discussing with someone yesterday how great Firefly was and oh the movie God. Serenity. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't read anything. I think the most modern one I've read was Ender's Game, okay. which was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had a rough childhood and so did Ender and I was like, I could really associate with him. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad you got to share a little bit of that. We'll obviously give you a chance at the end to share more of where we can get your, your books, um, your whole saga of this character. But in the meantime, let's jump into our brainstorming. As many of our listeners know, we choose, uh, we generate three prompts for our guest, and then they get to choose the one that they want to use. And this one Evan chose specifically because he was like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is too ridiculous and too wild. Uh, so as a reminder, our complicated plot is <clears throat> Faisal is one of the Cambridge spies. But when their long-lost leader remembers what he did with the painting, poverty and terminal illness overwhelm her. So I did have to look up and remind myself the Cambridge spies are. <laughs> and it was a ring of spies in the UK that passed information to the Soviet Union during World War II. Okay. Um, which oh, okay. I, I vaguely had heard about. I think I saw a movie about it once. But didn't really know about it. So they're, they're spies um, at Cambridge or thereabouts. They were recruited during their education at the University of Cambridge in the 30s. Okay. And then uh, gave secrets to the, the Soviet Union. Yeah, I can't remember the famous one's name who was in, in British intelligence for years and years and years. Mm. I, I can't remember his name. Yeah. So regardless, none of them was named Faisal. Um, uh, and it sounds also like Faisal is is female because I think that poverty and terminal illness overwhelm her is about her so initial questions thoughts where's our jumping off for this wild story well this is obviously going to be set in the 30s or the 40s or maybe the 50s and their long lost leader uh, why is he lost what what happened to him did he disappear from the UK because the authorities were on his trail or did he uh, defect to uh, the Soviet Union because, you know, he wanted to? Yeah. Why why is he long lost? Just many, many years after the Cambridge spies happened. So like, so Mm. Faisal is now 
a woman in her her 50s or 60s and they're uh because we have the names of of the spies they were like i'm pretty sure we know we know five of them so maybe the long lost leader is the unknown sixth who did manage to escape did maybe defect to the soviet union or just went under the radar and faisal's the other one mm-hmm. now faisal could be a code name that's if true we're since we do know their names, Faisal could be, because also the other thing that I would like to point out is that Faisal is the name of like a group of famous kings in the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> oh, you're right. So yeah. very much not a female spy from 1930s that Great is, Britain. That is a good point. That is not history. I knew I had never seen this name before. Gotcha. Um, okay. So yeah, I think a code name makes more sense with, with that info. But we also, none of the ones that we know about were female. They were all men. Um, and mm. so she, she's definitely one we don't know about and, and had that code name. <laughs> now, I want to know why, why did the leader forget about the painting? Why is the leader of this ring of spies cursed with such a bad memory? And yeah. what is it that happened to jog that memory? Because that seems really interesting to me, too. Maybe he doesn't remember not because he like has a terrible memory, but because what he did with the painting was inconsequential in the moment. Maybe he finds out that the painting has some significance to his to him now, and is like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't remember where I put that. I don't remember what happened with that." Oh, I was thinking he put like secret documents in the painting behind the painting. Yeah. And then, but why would you forget that? Right. Unless, right. Yeah. But maybe he finds out somebody else put secret documents in there. Ah, maybe maybe he Faisal maybe Faisal did oh she put something in the painting and he is trying to find it trying to figure out where it ended up is she helping him you would think she would be helping him because if she's one of the spies and he's the leader he would or she would be um, definitely trying to help find the painting unless they've gone their own like if he defected to the Soviet Union and she regretted what she did (laughs) You know, maybe they went in different paths and maybe he's trying to try to continue on some of their goals or something, something that would help help him further some of those similar goals that they had in the 30s. I feel like this requires more history than I have a really strong grasp of. <laughs> yeah. I guess all that leads to the question, how does his remembering the painting lead to her poverty and term? I mean, poverty, maybe. How does terminal illness happen because of this? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like spy poison. Right? Spy poison. Oh, well, that 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 happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she, she finds the painting. She opens it up, and poof! <laughs> she inhales uh, sarin gas or something. Oh my are, god! Are they like racing to find the painting separately? <laughs> like, is and he somehow has connections to make poverty and terminal illness happen to her, so she can't. <laughs> Yeah, or the the British intelligence service finds out who she is, and she has to find the painting to. Uh, maybe she has documents in it, like a fake passport, so she can escape and get to the Soviet Union. Hmm. So what if what if the poverty and terminal illness aren't caused by his remembering the painting, but are just thirty years later, she's just poor and sick. Like this is just where she is, and so she it becomes part of her, the struggles that she's working through to try to recover the painting or try to reunite with the leader or try to fight the leader. So it's just, it's her like constantly fighting the fact that he has more money than she does, that he has better health than she does, that she's not going to be able to 
perform at like peak capacity here. Gotcha. So the contingent clause is the overwhelms her. So she's already got the poverty and terminal illness. But when he remembers, then she becomes overwhelmed because it's like, oh, I've got all this poverty and terminal illness. And now I've got to go find this painting. And like, and like, like, that's kind of interesting to me that she, you know, maybe has put all this behind her, has moved on, has managed to get away with it. (laughs) And now that she's at the end of her life and not super in a great circumstance, all of a sudden she has like this one last thing she has to do. Hmm. Maybe the leader contacts her through a um, intermediary and someone younger in, in, in the UK who is still working for the Russians and says, you need to go find this painting. Here's where it is. And she's like, okay, but I'm old and poor yeah. and don't have any resources. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's too bad. You got to go do this. Yeah. I think it's important to me to settle whether she's working with him or against him. Because as we talk, I realized that I've been talking as if she's working against him and you've been talking as if she was working with him. And that's either yeah. one will work. I think we just need to settle on which one because it's a very, a very different story one way than the other. That's true. Well, if she's working against him, how does she know about the painting unless she hid it? That's what I'm <clears> thinking is that she hid it somewhere. And maybe she doesn't know what he did with the painting either. Like maybe she, maybe this was a painting that like they were, they were at school together or <laughs> were women allowed into Cambridge in the 30s? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think that they had like their own separate college. Okay. okay. But they might have known, they might have been associating elsewhere, but maybe it was a painting that like hung in one of the in one of the houses or something. And she hid stuff there and forgot about it. <laughs> okay, I feel like we're dancing around the edge of this. We haven't quite we haven't quite found it. <laughs> but yeah. It's, but it's close. I can't stop thinking about the Netflix documentary This is a Robbery about an art heist so basically one of the ideas that is like really sticking out to me is the idea that somebody would steal art as leverage Mm. one of the theories is that like the mafia stole this art in order to use it as leverage in order to like get their people out of prison or something but i'm wondering if maybe it's like a race to this piece of leverage whether it's the painting itself or whether it's these documents that are hidden in the painting Mm. that both of these people have a goal and they both need to get to it in order to utilize the power of the painting in order to achieve it well if the painting were stolen from cambridge and the leader put it somewhere safe and then forgot where safe was. I do that all the time with my keys. Sure. Um, <laughs> then, then Faisal could be looking for it and maybe she has some clues as to where it is. Does she have the painting? Maybe she was entrusted with the painting. Yeah. And so he remembers that he gave it to her and hunts her down. And that's how this whole plot starts is for her. This is just like a painting that's been hanging in her house for years that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, these documents were hidden in there, but nobody really cares about this stuff anymore. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he shows up and he's like, no, this is really important. We need to get that painting. I really love the thematic vibe of this being so many years later for her that she has moved on with her life. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe what he what is in the painting is something that uh, that he's going to use partly in a way that will reveal her status as one of the Cambridge spies that will kind of drag her back into this world that she was like, that was a terrible thing I did when I was young (laughs) and foolish. And I just want to live out the rest of my, the few rest of my days in peace and not have this chasing me. Hmm. Cause like nobody wants to deal with that on their deathbed. Like that's, you, you want to let your, your past lie. 
Um, yeah. And so maybe she's trying to protect him, protect it from him because of that. Maybe she sold it at a garage sale. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love that. She's like, I, I can't help you. <laughs> I, I don't know where it is. I sold it for 50 cents in the, in the, or pence, it would be in the UK. Yeah. She's um, living in England, yeah. Yeah. Well, you could, then you could set this in maybe the 90s or even the, the aughts because maybe the, the great leader has been living in Russia all this time. He knows the painting is important. He's able to travel back to the UK now because the Soviet Union has fallen. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. comes, approaches her and says, I need that painting. And she's like, well, I sold it. Yeah, I don't know where it it's is. It's long gone. And, and I'm dying of, of something, something. And I have no idea where it is. And they have to hunt for it because, well, then there's got to be something in it that is important to her too. Yeah. And he has to know that. Well, and maybe maybe it's a thing where, like, yeah, I like the idea. I kind of like the idea of them searching for it together, but with their own individual needs. Like, maybe there's maybe her goal is is to go with him, find the painting, and then like keep or hide the one piece that would tie her to it. And yeah, so like, yeah, I'll help you find it because I need to hide this and keep this undercover. You can have the rest. I don't care, but I don't want to be dragged into this. Yeah, it's, it has his confession in it, though, and yeah. which implicates her. Exactly. And she doesn't want to go to jail for the last six months of her life. Exactly. Or whatever she's got left. And, but he wants to find find the confession, and he wants to publish a book about his time as a spy yeah. because, hey, money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to pause this because we have a title, um, which may take us off in a completely different direction. Who knows? Our title is The Major Struggling Holiday Traditions. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't what i would call helpful no. um, i was with you like major struggling okay and then holiday, holiday tradition. tradition nope um, so is this is this the christmas time story yes yes <laughs> is she it's... trying to spend her last holiday in peace with her family yeah that's actually not bad that she's trying to spend her last holiday with her yeah. family and then and then this guy from her past shows up and she's like oh my gosh that now I gotta go of like a on this funny quest. layer to it too. That yeah. like she's going around like trying to hunt down this garage sale painting, and everyone's like trying to have Christmas dinner or whatever. <laughs> <it is. laughs> I mean, it's because it's holiday traditions. Like maybe this is also tied to holiday traditions from her time then. So that we've got like this kind of contrast between the traditions of her family now, <laughs> trying to have you know a nice little Christmas dinner with her. And on the flip side, the holiday traditions of her time as a spy in the 30s where they would gather together and, I don't know, do something. Uh, I was just thinking all the research you'd have to do on UK holiday traditions. It's like, oh my gosh. But there could be like a, like a, secret, like a secret circle kind of tradition that yeah. they just did. Um, yeah, that's true too. What if putting something in the painting, what if it was like a time capsule holiday tradition thing? Where like every year... They would gather and put something of theirs, hide it in the painting. Hmm. Hmm. And it could implicate all of them. Yeah. And it was just like the thing that they did that they would be like, let's commemorate but hide the secret things we did this year. Intriguing. And maybe that's how she becomes aware of him as he shows up at her door and is like, all right, it's time for our holiday tradition. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like 50 years later. Yep. (laughs) I like that. And both, both these people are going to be elderly. Yes. Oh sure. They're not going to be chasing anybody or having running gun gunfights. Yeah, 
which is that's kind of fun too i like this you know the story with these like 75 year old uh people wandering look running around looking for this painting with these high stakes it's a very tinker tailor soldier spy kind of vibe of just these old british people trying to catch up with the things that they did in their past yeah reminds me of the movie the good liar okay so just to make sure we've covered every aspect of this title we have holiday traditions struggling she is <laughs> in many ways so the major it could be military major i suppose or it could be like major is in like really big it could the major could be the guy who shows up to find her i mean if he's their leader maybe that's what they nicknamed him yeah and the Soviet Union, with uh, their spies in other countries, they would say, "Hey, we you just report? We just promoted you to major in the Soviet army. Aren't you happy?" <laughs> That's true. The, major. the the grammar of that title is still sitting weirdly with me, <laughs> but I don't know that I can fix it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it needs a comma. The major struggling. Uh, no, maybe not. Or the major and struggling holiday traditions. <laughs> like here's yeah, the major that'd be and here's the, maybe I'm okay with adding a, an and in there if we want, unless there's a better a better way to adjust it. But the major and struggling holiday traditions definitely lends it a more whimsical feel, mm. which I think you could get away with. This could be not a highly serious. Yeah, <laughs> it clearly can't be based too heavily in the actual history of the event. <laughs> Right. Um, so we're clearly already taking some some liberties and yeah i think you could it could end up being structured like um like a fun heist kind of thing yeah where you don't know who to trust and but in a fun way i'm definitely getting that vibe from it yeah okay well we're we're near the end of this is there any piece of this that we haven't really dug into that you think is is important not that I can think of, no. No, I think that we've, I think we've got something here. We've got at least the beginning of a story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is that is where we turn it over to you, our listeners. Um, as always, if you have any ideas what to do with this, if you know who these characters are, know why they chose this code name Faisal, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, know what they hid in the painting, we would love to hear your ideas. We'll give all our contact info at the end of the show. So make sure and uh, pay attention to that so that we can hear your concepts on this. I would love to hear what you come up with based off of this. Let's go ahead and transition to our next to last segment. Let's go ahead and we're all going to give a recommendation of something that we think our listeners should check out. I'm going to name something that's not even remotely like this. Uh, I just recently watched the movie Moxie, which is on Netflix, directed by Amy Poehler. Um, And it's a story about a young girl at a high school who ends up starting an anonymous zine to call out some of the the sexism in her school that they've all kind of let slide. And she ends up basically starting a little revolution anonymously. It is delightful. It is really funny. It is really charming. All the characters are wonderful. I was, it was one of those movies that like, I was just cheering the whole way. I just had so much fun with it. Um, It's my favorite movie I've seen so far this year. So I definitely recommend it. Moxie. Um, I'm going to ask you, Kirsten, you're up next. What is a story that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? All right. Well, I'm going to bring some big Jenny energy to this and remind everybody of something that they've probably forgotten about, but that they should really revisit and enjoy later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been rereading the series of unfortunate events. Yes. And I am having so much fun. I I don't even know how to express it. It's not only that these were some of my favorite books when I was a little kid, because obviously they were everybody's favorite books when they were a little kid. (laughs) Um, 
But Lemonese Nicket is so good at writing simultaneously for the kids and the adults. Mm -hmm. And these books are just packed full of jokes and references that I had absolutely no way of getting when I was a little kid. They're really short. They're really easy reads. I'm reading like one every night or every two nights. And I'm just having the time of my life. So I strongly recommend as an adult, revisiting the series of unfortunate events and enjoying all of the things that you probably missed the first time when you were 12. Yes, I reread them all a couple years ago when I was leading a a series of unfortunate events drama summer camp. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was so much fun. (laughs) Every day it was like, let's come up with a new terrible thing to happen to your characters today. That sounds amazing. So much fun. All right, Evan, uh, let's toss it to you. What would you like to recommend to our listeners? This last week, I watched a 1980s, I think it was 85, but somewhere around there, movie called The Last Starfighter. Hmm. And it's it's science fiction and it's sort of space opera And all the special effects were done by computer in 1980s. Oh. And, and, and so the special effects are, you kind of look at that and go, that looks bad. But <laughs> the... the the story, it's great for a writer to analyze the story to figure out why it didn't work. What about it was just off? And I mean, yeah. Robert Preston's in this movie. You think, yeah. but the story, you don't care. Uh-huh. They're going to attack Earth someday. Well, when someday, you know. Right. Um, it, I would recommend just if you're a writer or even if you like cheesy science fiction, take a look at The Last Starfighter. I love that. I love, I think you can sometimes learn way more about writing from watching or reading or listening to bad writing than than anything else. You just learn, oh, that's how I don't do that. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right, Evan, before we go, I want to give you a chance to promote anything of your own, social media, website, your books, whatever you'd like to share. All right. My, uh, the best way to find me is at my website, which is seventownsend.com. That's S. E-V-A-N Townsend.com All my social media, Facebook is S7Townsend.com Twitter is S7Townsend.com Instagram, if you like pictures of cats S7Townsend.com I'm serious, my my Instagram is is nothing but my son's cat Um, (laughs) and I try to take cute pictures of her and put her on Instagram I'm not sure why she's not an influencer yet Um, (laughs) Maybe after this goes out yeah, I I, I, uh, I talked to a guy and his dog is an influencer, and I'm like, how's that work? Do you want your dog to have influence like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has like 25,000 followers, and people send them things. Oh, my God. Oh my yeah. Anyway, so that's where you can find me, s7townsend.com. All the links to all my books. I have 13 science fiction and fantasy books published. I'm working on two more. Um I'm working on that book we talked about earlier, yeah. the uh, the the murder of the or assassinate the emperor, and I'm also working on something where an asteroid is used as a terrorist weapon. Oh, interesting. All right, we'll make sure and put all those links in the show description so that you can all uh, go check out Evan's work. Um, Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a blast. Oh, this is great. Thank you. All right, folks, that is our episode. As a reminder, you can find us every other Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WriteThisPod. And if you've been inspired by this episode and have questions or comments or a story or anything else, email us at somebodywritethis at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks, and we'll see you then. And as they say, there is no cow on the ice.